Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Now deals with a, a doctrinal uh, topic called sanctification. Now, I know that's a churchy sounding word, so uh, to help you better understand what sanctification means, I want to remind you, if you've already been here, if you've not been here, you need to hear this. Uh, sanctification literally means to be set apart to God. Uh, there are a couple of aspects to sanctification. Uh, one is a part of sanctification whereby the moment you receive Christ as your Savior, God set you apart to Him. He made you His, and you belong to Him. So from that standpoint, a Christian is set apart to God. But there's also a second aspect of sanctification, and that is whereby after we are set apart to God, we allow Him to mold our lives, and, and we're trying to be more like Jesus, walk with Him better in our lives. We are being set apart to God. We are being made uh, more like Him. And uh, in the text that we're going to look at today, uh, Paul kind of addresses both of those aspects of being set apart to God or being, uh, being sanctified. Uh, there's a chart I want you to look at before you read the uh, verses, and I'm just going to really hit the highlights of it. Uh, I, I want to apologize. We had a, a correlation between doing it on my computer and this computer, and it jammed some things up uh, together on us today. But uh, anyway, maybe you can read between the lines when it gets really close um, like that. But in Romans 6, where we have just finished, uh, it tells us more or less, uh, raises this question, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Of course, you know, Paul said, God forbid. Romans 7 kind of deals in this topic. How can we do anything but sin when our very nature is so sinful? I mean, the Apostle Paul at the end of the chapter, uh, and we'll be there in a couple of weeks, more or less says this, the things that I'm not supposed to do, somehow that's what I do, and the things I know I'm supposed to do, somehow I, I don't find myself doing those things, and that's the Apostle Paul uh, saying that. Romans 6 talked about being in bondage to the body of sin. Uh, Romans 7 deals with us being in bondage to the law. Uh, Romans 6 said that we are dead to sin. Romans 7 might make a shocking statement for some of you. If, if any of you have a little bone of legalism uh, still in you, uh, you might kind of push against this until you hear everything that Paul says today. But Romans 7 actually tells us we're dead to the law. You know, and some people have a problem with that. You know, I'm afraid one of the biggest problems we have in church today is not letting grace be grace, not letting grace be as big as it needs to be. And somehow we keep trying to put ourselves back under the law. Paul says we're dead to it. In chapter 6, he used the analogy of a servant and a master. If you remember uh, last week, I kind of gave you a picture of that. You can't bow here and bow here at the same time. Uh, we, we need to be bowing uh, to Christ, not being bound to our old self or, or sin instead. In, in chapter 7, he uses the analogy or the illustration of a wife and a husband. So that's what we'll be talking about a lot today. Chapter 6, he said there's a problem that we have, and that's trying to avoid evil because we have sinful natures. Chapter 7, we've got a problem of doing good when we have sinful natures. The problem is solved in chapter 6 by understanding this. 
We are dead to sin. Now, you might not feel like it, but if you're a Christian, the Bible says to reckon yourself dead to sin. That's how we need to view ourselves. And instead of surrendering ourselves to sin, we surrender ourselves to God to serve Him. In chapter 7, the problem is solved by knowing that we've died to the law and admitting you and I can't do anything by jumping through hoops, by being legalistic, by following a bunch of rules. We cannot do anything to please God just by keeping rules. Instead, we need to yield ourselves to the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now, having said that, like I, I said, Paul's going to use a an illustration. He used an illustration of a servant and a master. Today he's going to use an illustration of a husband and a wife in this passage that we're going to look at. Um, I'm going to tell them in the book. For sake of time, I'm just going to read the verses as we go through. Y'all, y'all had a few more testimonies in the first service, and that's a cool thing. I'm glad you did. If you'd kept going, I would just stay back and listen today, you know. So maybe they'll free you up the next time that ever happens. I don't have to do this if God tells you to do something uh, on a Sunday. But, you know, since you have. So uh, these are the verses we're going to be at in verse 1 through 6. But instead of read them all now, I'm going to read them as we go through uh, the message. So if you want to find your place in Romans chapter 7, uh, verse 1 through 6. The title of the message is this. Dead to the law. Released to live a new life. Now, that might sound like the ultimate oxymoron, (laughs) the ultimate contrast in terms. Because if you're thinking, dead, how can I be alive to something? But to be honest with you, that's exactly what happens for us as Christians. The moment we receive Christ as our Savior, we are dead to who we used to be, and we are a new person in Jesus to live a new life to follow Him. We need to reckon ourselves dead to sin, but we also, in Romans 7, need to understand we're dead to the law and quit trying to earn righteousness by obeying the law so we can live a a new life through following Jesus. In these verses, he's going to talk about the two aspects of sanctification I've already mentioned. He's going to talk about the doctrinal aspect and a practical aspect. So here's our first one. Doctrinally, Christians are dead to the law. Now, I understand, unless you know theology, unless you've you know, spent a lot of time in the Bible, and especially here in Romans, you might resist that a little bit. I'm not saying the law is dead, and I'll, I'll probably try and address that a little bit later. Jesus said not one tittle would pass away from God's Word. It's not that the law is dead. It's that we, as believers, are dead to the law. We're not underneath the obligation to try and earn our righteousness by obeying the law, or even try and get better by obeying the law, or to be more sanctified by obeying the law. Because according to what Paul writes here, he's going to let us know that we are dead to the law. Now, he uses the marriage illustration I mentioned a moment ago, a husband being married to a wife. And as he uses this this marriage illustration, he's really given us a picture that we are dead to the law in order that we might be married to Jesus. It's kind of the the picture that he's given us in this passage of Scripture. He talks a good bit uh, here uh, about, you know, someone being an adulterer, someone being with somebody else while she's still married to her husband. But you need to understand the intent of what he's talking about. You see, the Bible tells us there's a physical act that kind of solidifies the marriage. 
In Genesis chapter 2, it says the two become one what? Flesh. So physical act takes place. Also, it takes a physical act to dissolve the marriage such as death. Now, the reason I said such as death, I'm going to run a side trail here to keep some of you maybe from, uh, from reading this the wrong way. See, Paul's intent and purpose here is not to tell us everything about divorce and remarriage. That's not what he's writing about. He's writing about sanctification. He's writing about how we can be more like Jesus if we understand we're not married to the law, but we're married to Jesus. Jesus himself, in Matthew's gospel, on at least two occasions, gave some reasons for divorce, such as unfaithfulness, or adultery, or sexual immorality. He doesn't command someone to be divorced, but he allows it for those reasons. So the Bible doesn't say the only way out of a marriage is death. So if you're plotting killing your spouse, you can get out of it, quit. You don't have to do that. Okay, just joking. I haven't set that straight because I didn't want you to. I didn't want you to have in your in, in your mind. He's saying here, man, married the only way out is death. No, that's one of the things that breaks the marriage relationship. But Jesus talks about other things. The purpose that Paul is writing here is not to teach us about divorce and remarriage. It's to teach us that we belong to Jesus and not to the law. Okay. Now, having said that, let's look at that, and, and I want you to bear in mind as Paul writes about us being dead to the law, he's not talking about the Ten Commandments necessarily. He's talking about any law or legislation out of the Bible, the Scriptures, that we may try and pull up and use to think we can make ourselves more holy or to make ourselves more right with God as he talks about the law. It's not just the, uh, the Ten Commandments. So let, let's look at a couple things here <coughs> as I cough along with some of the rest of you. Uh, being dead to the law... Christians, first of all, are free from the bondage of the law. Look at what he writes there. Or or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking of those who know the law. The law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Now, Now think how logical that is. Once you die, do you have to worry about obeying laws? No, you're dead. You're out from underneath. That's just what he's saying. Thus, a a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if he were to die instantly, no debate about whether anything else gives her a reason to remarry. If her husband dies, she's automatically free to be married to another person. It is the point that he's making. He's using the illustration, like I said, of a wife being married to her husband, or being obligated or bound to him until he dies. Basically, Paul is saying this. He's saying that believers are under bondage to the law, and that's similar to being in a marriage relationship. But if you are dead, you're no longer underneath that law. He's talking about a binding here. Look, Look at the next slide. He said the law is binding Binding literally means to, to rule or have dominion over you. It, it means to be lord over, to exercise lordship. Matter of fact, the root word in the Greek is the exact same word that we use for lord, talking about God being our lord. So I think Paul's kind of telling us this, then we as Christians don't need to let the law be our God. 
We don't need to let legalism be our God or a bunch of rules being our God. We're set free from that. We are not obligated as Christians to try and use the law as a stairway to heaven, Led Zeppelin style, to try and earn your own way to heaven. You're free from that. You're not underneath an obligation to that as a Christian. You've been set free from the bondage that's in the law. He used the word bound there, which means to, to, to bind, to be in bonds, to be knit, to, to tie, to, to, to wind up or be tied up, to be, to be wound up. Now, I, I don't know. That sounds kind of like being in prison to me, does it, you? Now, please, guys, uh, let me give you a warning right now, okay? He's using marriage as an illustration don't agree with me when I say it sounds like prison, okay? You'll get in trouble, okay? But he is talking about the law is the point that he's talking about. It, it, it's kind of like the law puts you in prison, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the law condemns us. The law shows us that we're sinners. The, you know, the, the law kind of has us in bonds or, or all knit or tied up. Or, or wound up in the law, and we just feel like we're bound up in, in the law. But what he's telling us is this. A Christian, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're no longer obligated to try and earn your righteousness in any way by the law. You can't do it to start with anyway. I'll read a verse in a, in a few moments. But the Bible clearly tells us there's no way we can save ourselves by obeying the law. Amen? It's impossible. We'll read a verse in, a little bit later. So, so being dead to the law, here's the point that he's making. You and I as believers, being dead to the law, as Christians, we're dead to the law so we can belong to another. I don't belong to the law now. I belong to Jesus. My, my obligation <coughs> to serve God is not that there's a God in heaven with a Ten Commandments and lightning bolts and a big stick waiting to get me. My obligation to want to serve Jesus now should be this. I, I now belong to Him. Look, look at what he writes. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she would be called an adulteress if she lived with another man while her husband's alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. That's the illustration he's using. But look what he says here in verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law. See, there's a twist that happens. He kind of turns things a little bit. It's not the law that has died, but it is you and I, when we receive Christ as our saviors, that have died. He, he, he says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so you may belong to another, to him that's raised from the dead. You and I, are, we will not be more sanctified we, we can't earn our way to heaven. You can't be justified. I'll probably say this at the end again, too. You, you cannot be justified, made just like you never sinned by obeying the law. Neither can you be more sanctified by obeying the law. It is the point that he's making. The, me following a bunch of rules doesn't make me more sanctified. Me living my life with Jesus, being married to him, belonging to him, does. Because I have the right motive instead of the wrong motive. I'll come back to, to this near the end. It kind of presents itself in my mind right now. The, the motive of, of being more sanctified if it's under the law is that God might get me if I don't do what he says. 
My motive of being more sanctified because I belong to Jesus is this. Because I belong to Him, I love Him. Because I'm married to Him and not the law, I love Him. And I, I want to be more sanctified. I want to be more, more like Him. Is, is the point that, that Paul is making as he, as he talks about being dead to the law to, to belong to another. Follow the illustration that Paul's using. When the husband dies, the wife is set free to marry another. But he says, instead of the law dying, it's us as believers who have died. He says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. In other words, we're freed from the bondage of trying to earn our righteousness or sanctification or get better by obeying the law so that we may belong to another. I want you to notice three things that he says there in those verses. Here's the first one. (coughs) We are released from the law. That's what he literally said. Released in, in the Greek, means to be rendered completely idle or to, for it to be abolished or to, to cease or we've been delivered from or it's been destroyed or it's made of none effect. We've been set loose from it. It's come to naught. It's vanished away. It's been made void. See, it's, it's ridiculous for, for Christians to think that they will become more like Jesus just by being legalistic. To start with, most of the rules that churches come up with to make us more like Jesus have nothing to do with looking like Jesus to start with. I'm breaking a bunch of them today. I've got jeans on instead of a suit. I've got a tattoo on my arm. I've got my head shaved, and I'm wearing a beard. That breaks it a lot of churches. Because their they're, they're picture of what a Christian ought to look like is to do that and carry a 50-pound Bible. Our goal is not to look like what the world thinks a Christian looks like. Our goal is to be like Jesus. So it's ridiculous for us to try and become more like him by being legalistic and following rules or following the law because he tells us we're released from it. It's been made void. That's not what's going to do it for you. Second thing, he says this. We're free from the law. We're free from the law. As a believer, as a Christian, i got bad news for you if you're not a Christian. The law is still holding you under judgment of God. Come back to that at the end, too. But if you know Christ as your Savior, you've been set free from the law. The word free means unrestrained to go at pleasure. As a citizen, not a slave, exempt from obligation or liability, you've been set at liberty. Now, 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 before you apply that the wrong way and think, oh, that means I'm free to do anything I want to do. No, it doesn't. Remember, you belong to another now. You're dead to the law in order that you might belong to another. So the fact that we've been set free from the law means we're unrestrained as far as the law goes, but I'm not to live at my pleasure. I'm to live at God's pleasure. I'm not to live... However, I want to live like a citizen of the world or a citizen of my own life. I'm to live like a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm not to live like a slave to sin anymore. I'm to live like I'm a slave to Jesus. I'm to be at liberty, but it's not my liberty. It's his liberty that I'm to live. And he also tells us this. (coughs) Not only are we free from the law, we're... We're dead to the law to belong 
to another. Some of your translations may say to be married to another. The moment we receive Christ as our Savior, we are dead to the law. And here's what happens. We are, we, we are caused to be belonging to another. We're generated to where we belong to another. We come into being as belonging to another, which is Jesus. And it's, and it's used, the phrase is used with great latitude. It means he's a real strong statement in the Greek that he's saying. Who's the another that we belong to now? Jesus. If you know Christ is your Savior, that's the another who we belong to. And it says we belong to the one that's been raised from the dead. Now, let me camp out on that for a moment. Because we live in a day and time that, uh, and, and not just this day and time, but it started all back at the turn of the century, and it really even before then, but in, in, in our, you know, uh, uh, world that we live in today, when, when liberal theology started trying to run rampant in uh, some universities and college, and it still runs rampant, and some of them, people want to come up with all kinds of excuses why, you know, Jesus didn't really uh, raise himself from the dead. One theory is, well, he just, you know, fell asleep, and, uh, and then they put him in the tomb, and the coolness of the, of the tomb kind of, you know, caused him to stir around and, and wake up, and he got out. Problem is, I remember they put a spear through his side into his heart, you know? That sounds pretty dead to me. And that's not what killed him. He bowed his head to give up the ghost anyway, the Bible says. Uh, another lie that liberal theologians came up with, or even to try and hide Jesus being raised from the dead back in that day and time, was this. The disciples came and carried his body away. The problem with that is, is this. The disciples died for what they believed later on. And I'm thinking if they were dying for a lie, if they'd really sold his body, they would have copped out of the lie before they lost their life. I would have. Amen, would you? He, he literally was raised from the dead. Now, why am I ranting on that a lot? Here's why. You see, I've just been talking to you about how we need to consider ourselves dead to sin and dead to the law. We're dead, so we're free to belong to another. The one we belong to took his life back up after paying the price for our sins. You see, we might not like the idea of thinking of ourselves as dead, but I'm telling you, it's a cool thing to think of yourselves as dead as long as you know you're crucified with Jesus because Jesus didn't stay dead. He took his life back up, and that means we live with him too. That means we have life with Him, eternal life with Him. He was raised from the dead. The illustration that Paul was using again about the wife dying. Now think about it. The wife died so she could belong to another. How could that happen? The only way that could happen is if the wife died and then she's raised to life. And that's exactly what Paul is saying we died with Jesus, we've been risen with Jesus when we trust Him as Savior, and because we are raised with Jesus, we now have His life to live. Doctrinally, the doctrinal aspect of sanctification is simply this. We are dead to sin, and we are dead to the law. So we can belong to another. The practical aspect of sanctification means this. Practically, because we're dead to sin and dead to the law, so we can belong to another. Christians are released to live a new life.
You're not dead to sin and dead to the law to live for yourself. Or to live the way that you used to live. Through faith in Jesus, we're dead to sin, dead to the law, so we can live a new life for Him. Look what he says in these verses. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law. We just read that one a moment ago. Through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. To him he's been raised from the dead. Now, now notice this. In order that. You see that? In other words, we're saved in order that. We're forgiven in order that. We're made new creations in Christ, new creatures in Christ in order that. We're dead to the law in order that we may bear fruit for God. Not live for ourselves, not bear fruit for ourselves, but bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. Under the new life of the Spirit. He said, in order that we might bear fruit. The, the word that he uses there in the, in the Greek uh, means to be fertile. We ought to be fertile for Jesus. The new life that we have, we ought to be bearing some fruit for him. Remember last, uh, I think it was last Sunday, uh, as I get older, the Sundays fade together. <laughs> but I used an illustration the other day about fruit. And, and you know, going to buy some fruit. Uh, Dan and Lane, have, uh, they're not paying me to advertise for them, I promise. But Dan, Dan and Lane, there's plenty of places you can go get apples. But they, they've started a little, you know, kind of stand by the side of the road where they live at. And um, I, I told you the other week that we had Becky and myself rode over and got some apples. Well, we were down to like three apples left. And uh, uh, Becky, myself, and Lenny and Angie were out riding motorcycles yesterday. So kind of on the way home, we stopped by there to, to get some more apples. So I've got a, a, a lot more apples now. You know how I got the apples? Well, not just going there and buying them. I, I got the apples because a fruit tree bore fruit. What good is a fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit? I mean, it could occupy some space in the orchard. It could soak in the, the sunlight and, and the nutrients and the water and everything like that, but, but if it doesn't bear fruit, it's not fulfilling what it's supposed to be, which is a fruit tree. So, in light of that, can I ask you a question? What good is a Christian that doesn't bear fruit? We can occupy space. We can soak in the sun, the S-O-N. We, we might look pretty and have all of our green leaves and everything like that, but if we're not bearing fruit, what good are we? See, we, we're dead to the law so we can belong to another because we're supposed to bear fruit for Him. Now, to help us understand that better, I want us to look at the old life and the new life because that's what Paul does here. I want you to notice the, the old life. Here's the old life before you knew Jesus, or the life you have now if you don't know Jesus. The, the old life is that you were married to the law. You were underneath an obligation of the law. You were bound to the law. <coughs> 
He said, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit unto death. That's what he's telling us there. That's what our old life was. See, the, the law, people misunderstand the law. The law and the Ten Commandments were never, ever given in order that we might be saved. Here's why. I said it earlier, but look at this verse. Romans 3. We've already seen it as we've been going through the book of Romans. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. It means nobody, no one will be made right, made just like they've never sinned, by obeying the law. Since through the law comes what? The knowledge of sin. You know what the law does? The law is there to tell me I'm really screwed up. <laughs> and the more I read it, instead of me having the idea, man, I'm going to work my way to heaven, it really ought to make me think I'm really, really, really screwed up, more than I thought I was screwed up. That's why it was given. To, to make us aware of, of sin. But the aspect that Paul brings in here is this. It's not just that it makes us aware of sin. It, it said the law kind of flared up the passions within us to rebel. Let me illustrate that. Can you rebel against a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit unless you see a sign and you know it's 55-mile-an-hour speed limit? Not really. You don't know you're violating anything. Unless you're confronted with the law, then, then you don't know that you're violating it. Our problem is this. We've got this nature in us as human beings that when we see the law or rules or standards and we're told, no, you don't do this, you know what we want to do? We want to do it, don't we? Says 55, I want to see if I can go 70. I mean, it's just like there's something in us that we've got this rebellion that's, that's bred within us. That, that's what our old life really was when we were married to the law because the law didn't make us better. The law couldn't save us, never could. Was it there for that reason? The law just lets us know that we're sinners. But the law also, according to what Paul writes there, kind of just makes us want to rebel. But you see, as a Christian, that's your old life. Paul's already said you're, you're dead to the law because now you've got a, a new life. And, and the new life is this. The new life is you are now you're married to Jesus. Next slide, please. The new life is this as a believer. You're not married to the law now. You're dead to the law instead. Now you're married to Jesus in order. Go back, please. Go back one slide, please. In order that we may bear fruit for God. We've got this new life. We're married to Jesus. In order that, we might bear fruit to God. But we're now released. Same word we saw earlier for release. But we're now released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not. You're not serving God. That's not our goal, to serve it under the old written code but in the new life of the Spirit. Now look at some of the words. I'm just going to hit the highlights of some of the words in the Word uh, study. Go, go ahead, uh, next slide, probably a couple. Yeah. Release, same where we saw a minute ago. More like you know, you're set free. But you're, you're not set free to, to be a slave or in bondage or to do service. Absolute negative is the word not that's used there in the Greek. You're not set free to serve 
under the old letter of the law because it's antiquated, it's, it's antique, it's, it's worn out, it's old, it doesn't do you any good anymore. It will not save you, it will not make you more like Jesus. Instead, as believers, we're called to serve in the newness or the freshness of the Holy Spirit. Probably most all of us have experienced this if, if you know Christ as your Savior. You remember, maybe even after you knew Jesus as your Savior, see, we tend as believers, we get saved by grace and then we get a little bit legalistic. It happens all the times in church and Christians and things like that. When you're through that legalistic part and, and, and you felt like somehow by obeying the law, by following a set of rules and things like that, you, you felt like you're, you're getting more and more like Jesus by doing that, you remember the burden of it? Because to be honest with you, you couldn't do it. Do you remember the day? I hope you've already experienced it. If not, I hope you realize it by the end of this service. The freshness when you realized you didn't have to do that, it was grace. You, you didn't have to try and earn your way, it was grace. You, you, you can't please God by trying to jump through hoops and obey the law, it's grace. And all of a sudden, this burden is lifted because it's grace. Jesus did it all for us on the cross. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus did it all for us. It's grace. See, the way to sanctification is not being married to the law. The way to practical sanctification, growing more and more like Jesus in your life, is realizing that you're married to Jesus. When you got married, if you are married, if not, when you get married, I hope it will be for this reason. For those of us that are married, hopefully, if this wasn't why you get married, please don't let on right now, you're going to be in trouble. Hopefully, when you got married, you did so because you realized you wanted to spend your life with that other person. I can remember when Becky and I were dating, praying, because I thought she was that person, praying that God would let us be married. Because I wanted to live my life with her. Now let me give you a warning. We'll do that sometimes, and then we get common with each other, don't we? And that becomes old hat, and we stop dating, and we start ignoring each other. If that's where you are, you need to change that in your life because it's going to lose the teeth of this illustration that Paul gives us here. Your old life was trying to get better by the law. Your, the new life, the, the real way to practical sanctification isn't following rules. It's falling head over heels in love with Jesus and wanting to live with Him day in and day out and walk with Him and do life with Him. That's why He's using this, this marriage illustration in this text. We ought to have the desire to live with Him. Did you get a chance to get the verse in I was talking about? Okay. Uh, we didn't have the first service. Uh, See. God sometimes don't let me know all that week, and he said this morning, use this verse. Why don't you, why don't you look at this passage? Because this deals exactly what we're talking about. 
You who are dead in trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. That's talking about the law. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, but triumphing over them in him. The guilt that we had, all the violations that we had because of the law, you know what Jesus did with it? He nailed it to the cross. He fulfilled everything that needs to be done. He nailed it to the cross so that through faith in him, we can have life with him, be married to him so to speak, not live lawless lives because we're released from the law. We are married with Him. We're not talking about the obedience to God of a slave and a master. We're talking about the obedience that we ought to have to God like the, the bride or the wife wanting to please her husband. That's the picture that He's given us. Not a have-to thing, but a want-to thing because you, you love Him. That's the image that He's given us. Now, I, I, I told you that I even prayed that Becky and I would, would get married before we did and, and everything. But you know what I found out on the other side of, of saying I do, the other side of the marriage? You know, there's things you find out you didn't think about beforehand, you know? Some things you have to change. I was used to leaving the seat down, you know? Not worrying with it. Now I'm married and I have to remember to raise the seat so, you know, I don't get it wet in some way. And then, you know, and then I have to remember to set the seat down so in the dark she doesn't sit in a big hole. I mean, that's just an illustration of, that's a simple thing every guy better learn. Amen, guys? Or the women will say amen to it. There's all kinds of things that you know, have to, that, that new things that, that, that you have to do. And some of it might be stuff you didn't really want to do, you know, because I mean, you're a guy and you used to doing gross things, you know. But, but some other things, us doing life together. Becky, Becky kind of liked some things I didn't really care for. And, and I've used this as an illustration before, but she liked pottery and everything like that i mean we could go to the beach and i mean start with she just liked like the waccamaw pottery i'm not talking about the pottery where you go and watch it design i mean just the cheap old red stuff you know she liked to go and walk through there and we're at the beach and i could have cared less but you know why i would go and walk with her through it because that was my wife and i loved her and, and then we would you know, she'd want to go see the pottery that was made, so I had to develop an interest for that. Well, the flip side of it, since we're talking about the wife being the bride of Christ and us responding to Jesus in the right way because we're married to Him, that's the pathway to sanctification, not obeying the law. Biggie's had to learn to do some things that uh, she probably maybe didn't necessarily think she'd have to do. Like a year ago, I, you know, mid-age crisis or whatever it is, or old-age crisis, so depending on where you want to classify me, I, I decided I want to go out and buy another motorcycle. And I uh, wanted to, you know, get more comfortable with it, and then I had to get a bigger one, uh, you know, so she could ride with me, you know. But, but honestly, that was why. 
because I want her to be able to ride with me and us be able to ride up to the parkway and, and do things like that. But to be honest with you, I didn't know for sure that she would ever necessarily want to do it because, I, you know, in, in talking with Ken and Macy, Ken got Macy on the back before and everything, and I think Macy's watching the pavement go by and everything, and she's saying, Ken, take me to the house, you know. So I didn't know if she'd want to ride it or not. But you know what? That's something she's had to learn to do. And, 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 and she does write, and she got to where she enjoys it, I think. She'll even come home from work sometimes hoping we're going to go out somewhere just for a little while on it. And she'll be back there, and every now and then reach around, give me a hug going down the road. Man, neatest feeling in the world. You see, I, I want to do life with her, and she wanted to do life with me. Now, yesterday, I told you earlier, we were out riding with another couple, Lynn and Angie Crump. Uh, Lynn was getting to ride to his... Uh, son-in-law's motorcycle that he's going to have to deliver down to the coast uh, I think this coming week or something like that so they wanted to get out and let's go somewhere and you know we we went uh, you know across Union Grove Road and Lynn knows all these back roads from riding bicycles uh, all over the place I guess or criminal activity or something I don't know but uh, <clears throat> but but anyway uh, so, uh, you know, it takes me across the back country of uh, Union Grove Road. Somehow we work our way back to 18, and then we work our way over to uh, Attica Road, and then we work our way up to 181 and, and things like that and, and, and going up through there. And, you know, I told you, Becky loved me. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Angie must really love Lynn to get on the back of a motorcycle with him. Well, Lynn's ridden longer than me and everything else. And, man, he was, boom, up through there some. So she really had to probably love him to get on the back of the motorcycle with him. Now, some of you may not understand, Lynn, how much of a daredevil he is. If you go to his house sometime and he tries to get you on the inner tube behind the boat while he's driving, don't do it. But, but here's the point of that illustration. She was doing it. Angie was doing it, I, I think, because they wanted to do life with us, her husbands. Will you apply that to us in Jesus? You and I becoming more sanctified, more like Jesus, is not about a bunch of legalistic standards. Paul literally said we're dead to the law so we can belong to another. Instead of serving by the letter of the law, now I, I serve him out of this newness, this freshness of the Holy Spirit in, in my life. You see, wh what I'm trying to tell you is this, I guess. We can become more sanctified and live more like Jesus wants us to if we'll just fall in love with him more. Just like husband and wife making a commitment to do life together, the moment you receive Christ as Savior, you made a commitment to do life with Jesus. And if you'll do that day in and day out, that's how you become more sanctified. That's how you become more like Him. Not a bunch of legalistic rules like you have to do it. You serve Him and live for Him because you want to do it because you're married to Him and you belong to Him and you love Him. That's the pathway to a more sanctified life. Let's pray. Father, <coughs> God, I pray first of all, if there's someone here that does not know Christ as Savior, if there's someone here that's been thinking they can earn 
their salvation by obeying the law. God showed them that was never the intent. It was always to give us the knowledge of sin so we would understand how much we need Jesus. And Father, there's someone here today that does not know Christ. God, I pray you, God, I pray you have a marriage ceremony right now. I, I pray that they will be married to your son by trusting in what he did on the cross. That they will realize they need to be dead to the law. The law can't save them, and the law can't really change their life. But by being married to Jesus and living for Him and doing life with Him, their life can change. Lord, if there's some believers here that somehow have been trying to think they could be more like Jesus just by a legalistic set of rules, God, I pray you help them right now to see that's not where it happens. Your love is what changes us. And we need to love you back in return. And live our lives with you and walk with you. And become more like you. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because we love you. Christ's name I pray. The, the key, really, I think, to this is to allow the Holy Spirit to turn your eyes away from your own performance. The key is to allow the Holy Spirit to turn your eyes away from thinking you can obey the law and to turn your eyes on Jesus. Because if you look at Jesus and what He's done for you on the cross, you ought to serve Him because you want to. Because you love Him. Because you want to walk through life with Him. That's what will free you up to being more like Jesus. Doctrinally, if you're a believer, you're dead to the law. Practically, you've been released from that law so you can live a new life, married to Jesus, and serve Him. Paul mentioned death, being dead to the law. And for a Christian, that's a good thing. But right before John leads us in this song, I, I, I want to point out to you, that's also a scary thing, a chilly thought. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, to be dead to the law. Because the only way you become dead to the law one day is to physically die. And the only thing that happens if you don't know Jesus when you physically die is that you're taken out of the frying pan of the condemnation in the judgment of the law, and you're dropped into the fire of eternal judgment. I wouldn't let that happen if you have a chance right now to receive Christ and be married to Him. So if you don't know Christ, I pray you'll come. I want to thank you for coming today. I trust you'll go away with that thought. You know, when, when you're in a marriage relationship and you, and you wake up, you've got a chance to do life with your spouse in that day. I hope you'll wake up every morning with this thought that you have the opportunity, the chance to do life with Jesus. Every morning, every day that you live, that you'll wake up. And I hope you leave from here right now with that mentality that all I want is just to be with you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. 
Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.